Hey everyone, welcome back again. What's going on, everybody? Sorry we had a glitch in the matrix, but yes. we are back. <laughs> yeah, we are back good. live in full effect. We visited the Oracle and she said everything is good. So we're gonna exactly. go on with the show. <laughs> we're gonna go on with the show. What's going on, Sarone? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Tonight we have a special guest. Uh, we have Mr. Corey George. He's a nationally recognized trauma expert, is a highly revered life coach speaker, author, television personality. You may have seen him on AONE. So guess what? Stay tuned. He's coming on later in the show. But first, right. you're going to delve right into what's been going on in the world. And guess what? We're going what? to start with the Simmons family drama. What's ooh, going on ooh. with the Simmons family drama? I don't know what's going on. All I, cause you know, I stay out of people's business. I'm on uh -huh. my business over here. <laughs> but when, but when the business comes to me, uh -huh. you gotta <laughs> then I got, I got to, I got to report on it. So apparently, what's going on? apparently, uh, um, Russell Simmons, ex-wife, Kamora Lee Simmons hopped on a live. She was like crying and snot was coming out. I'm, I'm literally not making fun. I'm, I'm being serious. Like, not, snot not. was coming out. Like she was like pretty much saying that Russell Simmons has been harassing them, harassing the kids. She was calling them broke that she's been taking care of him for the past 10 years. Really? Um, yeah. The daughter jumped in and she was like, he's like threatening and harassing and she's been dealing with it for like years now. She can't take it anymore. And and it was just crazy. In the meantime, Russell Simmons was just like, he was apologizing, saying, you know, calm down. You know, we're a family. Mm -hmm. Apparently the daughter even like released a, 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 um, a, a video. Of, it was muted, but you can see him like screaming at her. Like he was literally going in on her. You couldn't tell what he was saying because she muted it, but he was going in on her. But my whole thing was like, and I'm not defending Russell Simmons because, you know, Russell Simmons is kind of shady. But why would you record your father? Like, you recording your father for what? Like, why? Publicity. Would you, you know what I'm saying? Like, why? Like, if my father was going in on me and we had, a, I'm just blocking you. Like, I'm not yeah. recording you to then put you on. I just don't understand this whole social media thing that they have going on now where it's like, you just need to blast everybody. Like if I was having issues with anybody in my family, I'm not taking it to social media. Like I'm yeah. just not doing it. Like I just don't. I just won't speak to you. It's that simple. And so, do you think though it's because of the uh, the celebrity part that is that that's attached to it? Of course, they're in the media. Like and especially, I mean, I hate to say it, but especially like Kamora. Like, come on, now. like mm -hmm. we. I mean, I grew up with Kamora Lee Simmons, and you know, she was always little. You know shady to me too whatever the case may be <laughs> <laughs> you know she wanted the fame oh 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 uh -huh. and and she even alluded to russell simmons getting with her when she was 16 17 oh but my whole thing yeah. is you didn't have a problem with it then <laughs> right? what's going on now now that you got everything out of it that you've been able to get out of it and you uh -huh. as a matter of fact you still even have his last name simmons you literally you've been married <laughs> and divorced and you didn't even take your new husband's last name you still had simmons so mm -hmm. now like now that you have already like got out of it what you need to get out of it now you kind of want to want to kind of like you know uh, and i'm not saying he doesn't deserve it uh-huh but like come on now like I, I i yeah i just block him and keep it moving but this whole putting him on blast well and, well all i know is that uh kimura she years ago when she got with him from when i was watching her i think it was an mtv or vh1 she like was a reality show for every 
for his name. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Until you got what you want. But hey, yeah. that ain't none of my business. They are going to do whatever that they do oh, yeah. and oh, keep yeah. it moving. Oh, yeah. You already know. That's all I can say. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just going to mind my business. <laughs> exactly. I'm going exactly. to stay out of other folks' business unless it comes mm -hmm. to me. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out, though, what is going on with uh, uh, Baby Rexa? Oh, babe, BB. Is it? BB I think it's BB. Rexa. BB Rexa. She's that pop singer. Um, uh huh. She was. She was in. Con she was literally on stage uh -huh. in concert, Ooh, and a fan. Well, a fan. But she got. She got hit. Well, no, a fan threw his phone and uh -huh. literally hit her in the eye. It hit her in her head. He threw his cell phone, and it clocked her in her face. And she had to stop the show. She had to get stitches and everything. Okay. Right. And so, first, let me rewind it real quick. And when they asked him why he did it, he proceeded to tell people he thought it would be funny. That's he thought though. it would be funny to hit somebody, someone who you paid money to go see, to hit them upside the head with a cell phone. Uh -huh. Number one, number one, he must have had a cheap ass cell phone because ain't no way in the hell I'm throwing my Galaxy phone, my iPhone, whatever type of phone I is. I'm uh -huh. not throwing my phone because I may not get it back. And we know those phones cause mad money. Number two, listen, people, I don't condone, I don't condone violence. I have a little kid. I don't condone violence. <laughs> However, let's be honest. If that was Beyonce on that stage or Mary J. Blige or Ooh, whoever, he would not, he would not have made it out of that stadium. He wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. He would not have made it out of that stadium. And so for the fact that he made it out and no one really did to, mm -hmm, I'm like, come on now. But yeah. I just don't understand what's going on with like, you know, like back in the day, or I used to hear the the older generation like, I don't know what's going on in the world no more. This mm -hmm. is the end of days. <laughs> just say, oh, that's all right. Yes, I've heard and, that before. And now that I'm older, like sometimes I catch myself saying, like, what is going on with these people? Like, mm -hmm. I just don't. I you you would have never thought about throwing anything at your at someone who was on stage performing, unless you were throwing like roses, you know, or women something like that. Women throw their panties on stage, you know, yeah. but they, they're throwing bottles of water. They throw on phones. Like, they're just crazy. Like, come yeah. on. Well, come according, on. according to uh, Demetrius, he said that the guy was arrested. He was. He was yeah. arrested. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be charged with assault and everything else. But again, I'm surprised he made it out the stadium. That's all yeah. I'm saying. But but before I go further, though, do you think that this is like a trend, though? Like, because I know I read where it says that it's a TikTok trend where mm -hmm. you have to throw the phone on stage and then the they catch it, take a selfie, then throw it back in the crowd. Like, okay. does yeah. does that even make sense? Let, well, I'm not 100% sure, but let me issue a warning. Come closer. <laughs> I would not advise you to do that at a Beyonce concert, Mary J. Blige, Jay-Z, Jay Fantasia, Drake. <laughs> I would advise you not to do that at any of their concerts because you're not going to, the least of your worries would be whether or not you're going to get arrested. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, don't condone yeah. violence. I don't condone yeah. violence. <laughs> but guess what? We're going to switch a little thing. And right. I know I'm here, so we got to do a little bit of politics. Now, uh... Cornell West said that he's going to be running for president. Now, 
Brother Cornell, Brother Cornell, I think it's a slap in the face to Biden. And two, uh, he's coming at a time when no one is really going to be voting for anyone other than the one who is in office right now. It doesn't make any sense because he's just wasting time and energy and he's making himself look not as competent as we know that he is competent. You know, he's an educated black scholar that knows his stuff, but I don't think it's best suited right now. You know, he should come in the race uh, in 28. Yeah. That's um, what I think. Yeah. You know, he should, that's what he should do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I know, I know Cornell West. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the, yeah. well, well, yeah. all I'm going to say that if you're listening, Dr. West, I appreciate <laughs> your readings, your books, everything that you've done. But in my humblest opinion, this is a wrong move. And those who are advising you is not advising you right at mm. all. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's what I'm saying. Let's go to the comment section. Let's see what uh, Demetrius said. Demetrius said, who would you rather, Cornell or Joe? You know what I'm saying? To answer that question, at this present time, I personally would stick with the current. You know, uh, we don't yeah. know what Cornell will do if he should get in, he might even be better than him. Yeah. But that's a risk yeah. that I don't think I'm ready to, to take as of right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's just my humblest opinion. Yeah. You know? So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't. That is yeah. all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. I'm going to leave all right. that alone. So we're going to switch out to do a little something that we hadn't done last show. And that uh, is well, uh, it's uh, a would you rather? Ah, all right. Yes. So it's a would you rather? So this is what. And for those of you in the comments, please go ahead and tell us what you would do. Now, uh, would you rather have everyone you know to be able to read your thoughts, or for everyone you know to have access to your internet history? Yourself or your internet history because we know yeah. what goes on on your own history mm -hmm. your internet so question to you and for those who are listening and then okay. um, I'll make sure when uh, Corey gets on like in the next uh, nine minutes or so I'll okay. have you chime in so go ahead Serge let me hear you what exactly would you do I would Probably read my thoughts. Why? You scared? I, I, well, you know me. I, I I can control my thoughts. My internet search engine is another. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I've been mad a couple of times, I don't know what I've been typing in. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so I don't know. I want the FBI knocking on my door like you typed in. Yeah. What? <laughs> like... Yeah, so I'm gonna definitely go with reading, reading my thoughts. Okay, so repeat the question one more time. Would you rather to have <laughs> your thoughts be read or to take a look at your internet uh, 
history. I know for me, I would definitely go with read my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Yeah. About that. Yeah. 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 I don't want nobody looking at my search engine. Like I said, I. And wait, how far back? Because, you know, like when, when the Internet, because, you know, I'm going to I'm going to age myself. But I was around when the Internet came out. <laughs> Are you talking about and AOL? So, that's what I'm saying. Like dial up. Like, ding, I, like ding, I, ding, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, like I'm talking. And then you get you can't be on the Internet and be on the phone at the same time. Yes. When it was connecting. And if someone picked up the phone, you lost connection. You had to start all over again. I, yes. I was around for that. I literally I think, you know, this I literally still have my first AOL email address. I still use it to this day. My, my, I use my, and it's funny when I tell people my email address, it's like, what? They was like, are you serious? You still, I said, yes, I still have my AOL email address and I still use it to this day. I don't have mine anymore. I used to have yeah. mine, but I, I don't have um mine any anymore. You know yeah. But for me, I would definitely have read my thoughts, even though sometimes my thoughts can be very abrupt, but it's better yeah. to read my thoughts than my internet history yeah. because whoo-wee. Yeah. Yeah. Which so I got a right there. So I got a question for you. Okay. But this is not a a would you rather. This is okay. just a question for you. And I was thinking about this, right? And 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 when Corey comes on, you know, maybe we can ask him this question too because I was thinking about this. If someone told you you can go back and change one thing in history, one thing in history, right? Mm-hmm. Would you go back and change slavery for african-american people would you go back and not have us as slaves us not have gone through that would you change that if you could i'm gonna say 100 percent yes you would, would change never, it. i would okay. change that we are not slaves yeah yeah you know what i'm saying i would mm-hmm. definitely change that because that means um the history, the hardship mm-hmm. that we endured from mm-hmm. 1800 and beyond into, yeah. believe it or not, the 21st century, we yeah. will be going through all that we have gone through. Yeah. So I would definitely change it, you know? Okay. Now, I don't know if uh, somebody else would have been slaves, probably the white yeah. people would have been slaves. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, probably the, the Asians. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, we don't know. Not the so, Asians, the Asian people. You said the Asians, not the, the Asians. The indentured laborers, probably they yeah. would have been indentured, probably they would have been the, the yeah. real slaves, like how the black people were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I yeah. Would. All right. So let's go to the, the comments uh, section. Uh, Demetrius said that he would definitely read um, for them to read his thoughts. And I could probably tell why. <laughs> uh jr said definitely the thoughts so ooh, we got a brave one right here he said the internet history braxton 66 you're a brave man because uh, <laughs> i for real would not have them the internet at all uh, let's at all. see bradshaw said i'm with serge i have some extraordinary thoughts so it would be cool to see reactions of what I'm thinking. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. See, no. 
And, you know, because I no seriously, like I watch a lot of like crime shows. I mm -hmm. watch a lot of Forty Eight Hours. Um, mm -hmm. old, you know, and you know, a couple of times I I typed in, you know, how long does it really take a body to decompose, right? Because it's like, you know, and so. <laughs> Then you got people, then you got to see his ass crazy, call the FBI, uh -huh. right? That's what I'm like, nah, no, no, <laughs> read my thoughts. That's what he said. He said, my internet history is pretty interesting to aside from that. From see, see, that's what I'm trying to say. Nope, 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 nope. Leave my internet history alone. Uh, okay, we got some good one. Michael said, search engine, search engine of history course, don't want no one in my head. Okay, but wait a second. Isn't what in your head you actually sometimes type out in your internet browser? Not everything. <laughs> Not everything. Uh, mm -mm -mm -mm. No, because that made us who we are today. Yes, this is to your point about the the history. So he said he wouldn't have gone back to change his yeah. um slavery. Yeah. I actually wouldn't I actually wouldn't change it either. So I thought you I, I thought so for us to go through the hardship that we went to to now the thing about it is is i'm not quite sure if we didn't go through what we went through would we even still be here today mm. like would that could us not going through that would have totally changed our trajectory for the i, I don't want to say for the worst because that was bad but could we have been wiped out? Could like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, I just don't know. You know what I mean? And so what I do know is, you know, what other, you know, race has that happened to, whereas something like that happened to them and they're still standing today. Like we're still standing, we're still strong. We didn't break, we're still here. No matter what anyone tries to do to keep us down, burn mm -hmm. down our communities, you know, give us high interest, like, you know, <laughs> anything that they could do to keep us down. And we, we're still here. You know what I'm saying? And okay. so I, I don't know about changing that. I, I just don't know what our trajectory would be had we not gone through it. So okay, I don't think I would change it. Okay. All right. So we're going to go to something totally different now. Now, it's alleged now that Tyler Perry might be owning BET or... And VH1, you know what I'm saying? Now, we already know that this man is a mogul. He literally came from nothing to something. And now he's worth, well, at $1.2 or $1.5 billion. A lot of money. And now, if this actually goes through, you know, he might actually surpass Oprah. He could. You know what I'm saying? He could. Now, well, I mean, really, he technically... Um, important. He technically could. Because uh, he could just simply because, you know, Oprah own network is still building, right? It's still mm -hmm. BET is kind of grounded already and VH1 mm -hmm. is grounded. And so he he has two networks with shows already in place. So all he has to do is literally just add to that. Right. And so he could definitely pass. And he's much younger than he is. I think yeah. Tyler Perry, he's not even 50 yet, if I'm not mistaken. Almost 50, I believe. Almost. I think he's like 40, yeah. 49 or something like that. And so yeah. he, he definitely has time. Um, what I will say is, you know, you're rich when you have a private jet and the jet literally lands at your house, not yeah. at a local yeah. airport. His jet lands at his house. Like, come on. Yes. Come on. But to your point, I want to uh, before we uh, bring because uh, it's 20 minutes now, before we bring uh, Corey out, uh, yeah. Demetrius made a, a valid point. Now we get all those sappy shows. 
Now, I would definitely have him change some of those show and actually hire writers. Yeah. I was going to say that. Actually hire writers because he has a good idea, (laughs) but he needs to hire better writers and directors and give us good quality shows because he can run the damn thing. I think I agree with you. I think he he needs to hire writers, directors, producers uh, who work beside him. Yes. And not and not just you bring them on, but you still, you know, is what I say type of mm-hmm. thing. Right. Bring them on to like because like like, you know, some of his stuff is good. Some of his stuff is just yeah. not like a lot of his comedies. I just don't find funny. I do like some of his movies. But and so mm-hmm. I'm hoping BET doesn't turn into, you know, the Meet the Browns or the, you know, a whole, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, no. But I mean, I am happy that a black person has t- is potentially taken over BET again. Okay. I agree. For I sure. agree. I agree. For I sure. agree. All right. So we're about to bring out um, Corey George. As I said, he's a national um, recognized trauma expert, highly revered life coach. He's a speaker, author, television personality and the multi-media producer. He has worked with, um, on show with A&E's new original, The Digital Addiction, where he serves as an interventionist. He has written above his own painful outcomes of childhood trauma, including rape and molestation, bullying, oh, abandonment, physical abuse to become a passionate and dedicated practitioner working with individuals and families. And with no further ado, Corey, come on out. What's up? How you doing? How you doing? I am good. I've been listening to uh, to all your conversations, and I'm like, okay, okay. all right, all right. <laughs> okay, and also, okay. You know, you know, and also reading the comments, and I know some of these people, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, oh, yeah, you know, they come out yeah. and they're like, oh, what's that, going on? Yeah, I was like that's also oh, that's what you're searching for. So, <laughs> oh, oh, the search I'm engine. Like, yeah, search engine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, as all right, and so how are you guys feeling? Because I need to ask how you guys are before you get into what we're going to talk about. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Feeling good. I'm yeah, ready. I'm good. Um, we have a, people in the comment section who are yeah. ready to just chime in and just uh, give us uh, their piece. I'm feeling good. Today's been a great day. Okay, awesome. And listen, sure. I want to um, I want to encourage those who are listening. Please bring your questions. If there's something I can answer, because this topic, you know, outside of any other types of trauma. Um, this is what I'm here for. It's to inform, it's to help families uh, operate a little better. And so yeah. if you guys have questions, or even if you have experience, I want all of us to be a unit in this process and in this conversation. Okay, so let's start with a basic for people who may not know. When someone thinks of trauma and um, childhood trauma, um, specifically in the African-American community, like, what are some things that they can uh, look for in terms of uh, childhood trauma? Like, what are some things that they can pinpoint? Say, no, it probably that child was traumatized. What are some key oh, things? You know, some of the things that we missed, and also being a survivor of trauma, some of the things that was missed with me. So I can also talk, 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 talk from experience. It's as simple as when you notice your child changes. Now, the issue with this is, as a child's going going through their processes, you have things such such as puberty and things that will also change how you show up, right? Because it's all stressors. But then 
I always say when a child changes from what they normally do and it changes in an instant, because sometimes something will happen and then the next day something will look different. And so if your child doesn't wet their bed and all of a sudden they saw bed wetting at eight, nine, 10 years old, there's a reason for that. If your child has a hard time focusing, if they're distracted, if they're acting out and, and, and this is not their norm of behavior, there's a story there. I don't always say it's trauma, but, but it also deserves a conversation, you know, um, as a parent and also as, and, and also as a survivor of trauma, even now my kids are 16 and 19. I ask them every day, how was your day? You know, tell me about the worst part of your day and yeah. the best part of your day because they may not have language. So also understand yeah. that children may not have the language to tell you unless you've had an open dialogue in your family, which open dialogue doesn't start at nine. It starts in the, you know, it starts in the crib. I read to my kids when they were four days old. And so by the time they were one and two, they could tell me certain things. And, you know, as a matter of fact, my oldest, I taught him sign language because I needed uh, to know if you're wet, if you're hungry. So it's about communication. So I urge families that you have to talk to, to children the way that you want them to talk to you. You have to talk to your children the way that you want them to talk to you because this is how you teach them how to be able, you know, to feel comfortable in that. And so if, if we look at other things, also ask about how they're doing in school. If your child is acting up in school more so than usual and, and, and there's no telltale reason, such as an abrupt change in their lives or something like that, it could be that they experienced something that has thrown them off a little bit, right? And so that's what we look for is the things that have changed because we know our children. If we pay as much attention as we do, I know my children. If and I know that if that if my children change eye contact with me, oh, that's different. And so let's have a conversation. And what that also does is it makes children comfortable knowing that you will be the first one that will ask about how they're doing. So okay. at, yeah. So Bowman ask you, so oftentimes in the black community per se, um emotions are not expressed freely as uh, with other communities and some of those things can be missed but in your expertise how can one start to uh show the emotion that is needed for that child to come and trust him say hey last week someone touched me oh mm -hmm. by the way mommy touched me or uncle touched me or cousin touched me when I was at Thanksgiving. Like, how does one start developing that dialogue with them, especially in the black community where oftentimes that conversation doesn't happen. They're just, oh, he's just acting out or she's just acting out and we just left them to their own device. And before you know it, it swells up to something bigger um, that didn't need to be go there. So I answer, I answer. I'm so glad you asked this question because it because it also allows me to answer the question about should slavery have never happened? Okay. Because slavery happened, that's why we're here. So for those who say slavery should never happen, I rebuke you in the name of my Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if anyone wants to fight me, my address is. Well, <laughs> about us, so I will go toe to toe. But here's the reason why. Slavery was not what it was meant to be. We were supposed to be indentured servants for a set amount of time and then our freedom. Just imagine how that would have changed the whole line of how we operate now as black Americans if we knew that I'm gonna serve for five years then, then I get my papers and I'm free. The reason why some of us do not 
own our emotions is because back in the day, our grandmother and great grandfather, they didn't have a remedy for their emotional issues. Why? Because they usually caused by white people, but you're going to go see a white therapist about my white problems and think that they're going to help me. So no. So we are designed to actually suffer. So the way that we do that is we call out the suffering and say, this is not how we're meant to actually live. So part of the suffering is the silence. Any marginalized community has to do with some sort of that. So it's not just blacks. It can be gays. It can be, you know, any other population that has been marginalized or suppressed in some kind of way. So And so, and so the way we start doing this is we become very intentional about talking about how I feel, especially men especially black men. Okay. I'm a feeler. I talk about every single thing I feel. Most people are, uh, you know, some people are not comfortable with that. I am. Because in my family, we didn't. And look what happened uh, to me. My family didn't find out that I was raped for six years in my family until my book dropped at age 30. That should, have, that should not have never happened, right? So the moment I knew that I was being hurt, I should have gone to my parents or gone to someone who was in care of me, though, because we did not have comfortable conversations. They found out at 30, and then the question was, why are you telling family to yeah. I told them that was my story, so you don't get to all my pain. Yeah. So And so the only way to do this is to become intentional about understanding what has never worked for us. And, and so a lot of families are still operating in the guise of, let me do what my mom and dad did. But as I work with clients, it's like, but did that serve you well? If it didn't serve you well, why are you doing it with your children? Then there's a silence of, oh, wow, you called me out. Yes, I did. So okay. life, I will call you out on the carpet because you're doing something that you know does not serve well. Yeah. So that's how we start that. Yeah. Okay, it's actually you? funny. Um, well, no, it's actually funny because, you know, I, I have a six-year-old. And, you know, back in the day, <laughs> right? You couldn't even ask questions, right? Let's just see if your parents said, go upstairs. You couldn't say why. Or if they told you to do something, you couldn't say why. You couldn't ask questions. It was just do what I say. You're not allowed to, like, you're not allowed to ask questions, right? Mm -hmm. And if it just became normal, right? But then, you know, now that I have a six-year-old, I'm kind of like, that's not norm. Like, kids should be allowed to ask questions. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. If you, if you don't let them ask questions and talk or form their own opinions, you grow up to be like we did, the angry adults <laughs> who are holding in their emotions and, and, and you know. Let me share somebody. this scenario with you. Um, not say you're a child, but a child gets, you know, molested, raped, or somehow maltreated. Yeah. And because the child's not allowed to question or to even raise a concern, yeah. the child says, well, this must be something I have to go through because I am a child. So yeah. we put children in space yeah. up, children are seen yeah. that hurt, but I've never heard a case where that has ever worked. I've yeah. never heard a case where that has ever, where a child doesn't have a voice. But then guess what happens? At 18, when we keep the children out of the house because of Black family trauma, we expect this child to know how to talk to police, talk to everything else that is harming them. Then when they don't have the, the proper skills of coping, then they're traumatized again because of how they react. So now they have no skills of handling anger, handling sadness, handling things that, as parents, we are charged with sharing how these kids should should deal with their emotions. So when my child is in school, they're acting up. I'm blaming the teacher. No, mom, it's your fault. Let's have a conversation, mom. No, dad, it's your fault because I had a kid in school and I was working so much with him. He loved me. But every time he got into a fight, I would ask, well, why do you keep fighting? Well, my, well, my dad said, every time someone picks on me, I should, you know, I should fight. 
Well, I only see you once a week for a half hour. You go home to this family seven days a week. No matter what I did, every week was a start over. So I can do my best work, but the work begins at home. And so, for example, my kids have always had their own issues. I've always partnered with their with their schools, meaning we're going to raise them first. So whatever happens at school is because of what we did or did not do. So if my child, like I had an instance where a teacher emailed me about something about my child and I said, well, ma'am, this doesn't sound like my child. I know him too well. He will not do this. Not that other one. <laughs> not that other one. <laughs> but this is not the same child. So when you partner with people that are in favor of your child's well-being, your child knows I have a village. So the village is not just in the community. It's at the schools. Um, it's, you know, it's at the local boys club. It's everywhere where that child may be impacted. And, and, and also, especially today, because we have so many means of trauma now. We have social media that has been shown to increase anxiety and depression in children and adults. So mm-hmm. it's not just about what you experience outside your door or in your home. It's on your computers. It's on your phone. So we have to be vigilant in having the important conversations. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, just a point, right? Here. If you have any questions on the comment section, just go ahead and you can ask. Um, here, uh, Tia said, uh, reaching out to a professional without shame is a huge step to confronting trauma. Sometimes... It takes a lifetime for one to experience healing. Um, well, I think, well, see, here's the thing about healing. Healing is cyclic. I tell mm-hmm. my clients, and I believe this, whereas even today, I think I told you, Sora, I had a, you know, I had a moment today. And I'm highly skilled, but, but because I'm intentional, I own that moment. And I told you, but I say, okay, I'm fine now, though. I still showed up. But healing is this. You get a toolkit of skills ways of coping, ways of looking at your life and ways of seeing that there is more than one perspective because life is going to life you and there's going to be moments where you're going to have to heal again from something else or you're triggered and you see that healing is not just done yet That was, and that's what happened with me today. I'm a highly esteemed professional but I could also be human and say I got triggered but I own that and now I'm a little bit better than I was this morning. So it's, it's a lifetime process but it's cyclic. It keeps going. And once you gain the skills and you master those skills, mm-hmm. those same skills are applicable to, to a lot of other um, life issues. And so it's about being ready to learn some life skills and also being comfortable enough unlearning. Because I've had to tell people, hey, listen, I love your parents as much as you do. But in this area, they failed you. Is it okay that we say that they failed you just in this area? They're not bad parents, but they didn't show up the way that they should have. Yeah. So sometimes we have a hard time holding important folks accountable for the way that we developed. Mm. So let me ask you this. Um, oftentimes um, the, the child gets traumatized um, at home or wherever. It doesn't, they don't get the help that they need. Then, then they grow up to be adults, still carrying that trauma, that pain, and this child becomes adults and these adults get into relationships and they still have that trauma. And now they get into these relationships. And oftentimes the partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever may do something to trigger that trauma that wasn't healed. And now they're having problems in their relationship and the relationship normally ends. Now, how does the mate who is experiencing this how do they get this fixed? Is something that they can do 
or it goes back to the person who was hurt or traumatized? I was so glad you asked this question. I would wait on this question. Thank you. <laughs> so, let me educate my, you know, all your followers about how trauma memory works. When you experience something that is an aberration that is major, your brain not only records the event, it also records every sensation that also was with that. So uh, touch, taste, smell, um, what you heard, what you experienced. So for example, I had a client that said, well, they called me one day, they said, I just walked by Walmart and I was triggered by the smell of bleach because I passed by a laundromat, but I pushed through and I asked, well, why bleach? He said, well, I remember when I was being raped, the person always had clean sheets. You see how simple that was? Wow. Well, you probably didn't know, but the smell of the bleach signified, oh, this memory is still active. But he pushed through. So when we, so basically, that's called a trigger. So and so, a trigger is a reminder of something that has passed, but is still live and active. But the issue is, if we respond as if it's happening right now. So if I'm triggered, and this is how sometimes when we see people being violent or acting out, is they're having an experience about the past, but they're but it's showing up right now. So that's when we see that their reaction is totally uncalled for based on that situation in the present. But if you ask them what they responded to, it makes total sense. That's why you can see someone fall, you know, you know, fall down and have this have this childlike reaction or tantrum. Well, guess what? But 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 that transaction happened when he was nine years old, though. So he's mm -hmm. actually acting appropriately based on what happened. But as an adult in that body, it looks wrong. So what? And so what I often tell clients is sometimes what happens is two things: we either have the savior complex where we're looking for somebody to save us from what we haven't saved from ourselves. So that means I'm asking you to be more than just my mate. I'm asking you to be my healer, which is very, very, very complex. It can it it can go very wrong. Yes, or oftentimes a relationship shouldn't be nat naturally a savior. You're supposed to there to be a partner with the, the mate, but not to yeah. be a savior, the healer, the protector all the time for that particular thing that you can get help for. No, and I think that, you know, so, and so this is my opinion about dating and about being in relationships. I want to want you first. I want to want you and desire you as a person because I'm attracted. Then that need comes in when you're the only person that can give me what I need after dating and I realize you're the one. I only need what you bring. It's different if you walk into dating needing somebody, right? Because most cases you're needing them to fill in something you can't do for yourself or you wanting wanting them to tell you what your mom didn't tell you, to tell you what your dad could not tell you because he didn't talk about his feelings. But I'm sorry, that's not their job. Now, now as your partner, I can support your healing process, meaning you're in therapy, you're doing things, or even if it's group therapy, because as a family, we need to know how to also support you. But I should not be held responsible for healing you. And even if I trigger you, is 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 what I'm doing as bad as you think, or is it just or is it just a nudge about the past that keeps showing up? Okay. Yeah. Last week we spoke about the Zeus Network. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we we talked about the Zeus Network. Ah. Um and about the Bad Boys Club of Dallas and all those people. Do you think Yes. That trauma <laughs> has anything to do yes. <laughs> with these people who yes. are just ready to fight like yes. with a snap of a finger. 
and do and do you think that that the shows are are re like re I don't want to say yes. trauma, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. traumatizing. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's the phrase. So what you're saying is re-traumatizing, yes. Yes. People can be, people can be easily re-traumatized. When I saw the auditions and they're making them fight in auditions, yeah. That's traumatizing. They yeah. um I feel that as a black network, they're but they're doing us a major injustice. Yeah. Um I can complain about the white white networks and and they and they seem to capitalize on our demise but now it's us doing that but think about it back in slavery you have slaves fighting each other you have slaves proving that they're the better slaves so they can you know and and then white owners would showcase slaves and this is why sometimes we are are we are stuck on labels and looks is because they would dress up our slaves just to make sure that other people know that we have better looking slaves so so it's it is so toxic. So now, so I don't even watch the shows. I can't watch the clips because I'm looking at the triggers. And then if you notice that they are allowed to fight until security believes that they're going way too far. Oh, Back yeah. today, they would probably rush everybody and kind of stop. Yeah. Now they're but you know, but they're letting it happen. And now this and this is what it looks like. At first, when we saw this years ago, it was traumatizing for us to see. Now, because when we look at this stuff, it becomes desensitized, and now we call mm-hmm. it entertainment. And I refuse. Yeah. So, so to answer your questions, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then also, what does that show? Is that me fighting and me having these reactions are entertainment? So guess what? So when I go out at the bar, when I go out and be social, when I'm having non-constructive conversations with my friends or people, the first thing I want to do is pop yeah. off because it's yeah. entertaining and then now and and now we look at fights online, everybody's recording, but no one is intervening and somebody's hurt. Somebody's damn near dead. But yeah. we found it funny to to this yeah. the video. Yeah. I also think that this this upcoming generation is not going to have any sense of conflict resolution. It's not. If the only thing they see is fighting, they're going to think, oh, well, that's what that's what we do. So we just going to fight versus, you know, and it's not even like, you know, I grew up in New York. I grew up in the Bronx and Queens or whatever case may be. So when we fought, we had to fight like for our life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we were fighting because, you know, to like just get through the day. But they out there fighting just to fight, like just for entertainment purposes. I think it's just ridiculous. Well, like, and- you know, and I work at a school. I worked at schools this year, and it's been a pleasure having that experience in my in my portfolio. But what, <laughs> but what was interesting, I would tell the other people, I'm like, why am I here at eight thirty and kids are already cursing and swinging in the hallways? You just left home, so is something happening at home or is school triggering? But then we also have to look at the pandemic. We have to look at how school shootings make us anxious about everything. We have to look about all of these things in totality. It's not just one thing. And so it's scary to think that we have so many avenues of being traumatized that how do we how how do we lessen it if it's coming from all directions though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we're here on the internet. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, all of those social media sites. iHeartRadio. The the radio, iHeartRadio, all of that. My question to you, do you think uh, that others can be traumatized through social media? And if that's the case, in your professional opinion, how can one curb that or the parents 
curb that, you know, or someone that you look out for? How can one curb curb that? Well, so yes, so yes, someone can be traumatized, and I think that sometimes we don't really. And so let me so let me pull it back just a little bit. For mm-hmm. for for some of us in our community, we don't recognize trauma until it's explosive. Yeah. So, so if you're in a low income community or housing project, then you're used to hearing gunshots, or you're used to seeing gang violence, or you're used to seeing drug transactions and other things. And you are, and 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 if your head is on a swivel, just automatically, you don't realize that you've been traumatized. One of the studies I'm doing for my for for my dissertation is um, is concerning PTSD in school age students in urban neighborhoods because it's there. I've witnessed it while I'm working in schools is that they don't realize that they've been traumatized. Then, guess what? The families are up at school fighting because they're trying to then defend their children. But going back to your question, yes, I feel like social media is an avenue where it's so many outlets. I mean, let's not talk about the dark web where you can access the dark web where your parents won't even know where you are. You know, this is where we find kids who are being trafficked or being, you know, um, raped, raped, and abducted from the dark web because people are learning how to partner with your children during games. Yeah. You know, you know, these grown people ain't and see who haven't seen Law and Order, you know? Um, or that other show was the White Host and you know, um how to catch the Oh, how to catch the president, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so this is happening, and so it is social media. It is, a, and so as a parent, I have a 16-year-old. My 19-year-old, we talk a lot, so it's a little easier. But my 16-year-old, I do have to go in and put those controls in. Uh, and I You said it, six or 16? 16. 16, okay. 16. So I have to ask questions. You know, yeah. I have to ask how you know this person. I have to ask what games are you playing. I want to go behind your back and check your, you know, your search history or your chat history. I still do it. I tell them, it's like, I own this house. So whatever is happening, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and, and I always use this phrase to my kids. I said, I'm going to love you so well that when you leave this house, you you will not pick anyone lower than my standards of love and care for you. So if that means yeah. I have to be extra protective, you'll be all right. You know, um, because yeah. what I think what have happened is, you know, I told you earlier that my, my family didn't know about my sexual abuse and other oh, things yeah. that I had happened until I was 30. I would be hurt if I didn't know. Yeah. And I had the capability of understanding that. And so... I think that social media is is dangerous for those who don't have a clear mindset. And this is where starting at home and and when you have the conversations about what's going on in your home, it all starts at home. So my work really is focused on having the most uncomfortable conversations at home because I can't expect a teacher to raise my child. I can't expect his peers to tell him about sex and drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. My job. So yeah. so all my work is focused on. Let's have the most uncomfortable conversations, and that's when they become comfortable. So, Corey, I have a question for you. This may be a little bit, maybe a little bit controversial. Some people are not like. I'm just curious. So, who do you think is doing the most damage, or you think is equal, the moms or the fathers slash absentee fathers, whether it's intentional or unintentional? Um, who do you think causes the most damage, or is it pretty much? I, you know, I think it's situational. I. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, you can have a dad that's functional in the house and he's there, but he, but, but yeah. is he, but is he present? He's yeah. there. Yeah. You know, back in the day, it was very different where men were known to be, you know, known, they were known to go out and work and the mom was to take care of the children. She was a nurturer and the dad didn't have time. He was tired. Now yeah. both parents work. 
both parents work, so why aren't you both nurturing? Why aren't you both doing this? And, you know, even when we talk about attachment issues, they usually say the mother and the child. No, if the father's active in their life, how can you say if the mother has a healthy attachment, but that dad is, is an asshole, it won't affect their whole attachment on that side. Because the dad is only supposed to be the quote unquote for the provider, and the mom yeah. is supposed to be there but for like change. you know, but time yeah. change. So yeah, um, I think it's situational, but I also think that raising children like today, you know, back in the day, yeah. and I don't know about you guys, but I played outside until you know, you know, until the moon came up. But I felt safe. I didn't have a concern. My parents never no. was concerned because the environment yeah. was different. Nowadays, you like we barely know our neighbors. Back in the day, I knew yeah. I was gonna be in trouble if my neighbors saw me because you don't call my yeah. mom, right? Yeah. Nowadays, I don't know these people next to me. Yeah. And, you know, and so so because the times are different, we have to be so intentional until it's exhausting. Like there are times I'm tired just because I'm paying attention to everything my children are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have a question for you and I, I know the answer, but I'm just curious as to what you're going to do. Do you think, do you think that we or pretty much our ancestors, our great grandparents, uh, were re-traumatized because of what we went through, and so and 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 I guess as as time went on, mm-hmm. no one was able to break. For instance, I want to give you an example. For instance, right? Okay. Like I said, I have a six-year-old. He's about to be seven. Okay. I noticed, and 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 I and I only noticed this when I became a parent that black people are the strictest on their children. <laughs> For instance, we could be out in the store and you can see somebody else's kid running around laughing, having a good time, playing around in the store, but you can see an African-American and as soon as their child will go to it's like, stop, what are you doing? You know better. And it's, and and I and I watched that one day and I was like, oh my God. I was like, we are, are we taken away from are we taking the childhood away from our children because of what we were taught? Like, cause you know, back then we had to act a certain way, right? We couldn't go out in public acting a certain way. Right. And so we always had to like, you know, comport ourselves in a, in a certain manner, but I still think that we're doing this now to our children. Uh, they're not as free as I see other people running around. Of course you don't want them like climbing or something like that. But I just noticed that we treat our children just totally different. Well, my answer is going to shock some of you. So, so trust me, you do not know what I'm about to say. <laughs> well, shock us. That's my <laughs> My opinion is this. Beatings are an extension of what slave masters did to us, and we just made it lighter. Ooh. So there's a between beatings and spankings. If I'm going to spank you because you want to put your hand on that outlet, yes, that's appropriate. But if I'm beating you and I'm asking you to, then I go ask you to get your switch. That's trauma. That's Ooh. trauma. So anyone who wants to debate me, you can fight me, and my address is. Um, it's an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and sometimes when we're told to act a certain way, that's an extension of that too. Yeah. Because think, think back, great grandmother, you know, great great grandfather. If they act out in public, guess what? Oh, you get lynched. Oh, that's oh, and guess what? But there's Emmett Till. He acted yeah. out, and yeah. and he winked at somebody. Yeah. So we have to understand how this affects psychologically down the generations, how we now shape our parenthood. You know, act right, be quiet, don't do this. This is not because we're black, this is because we're traumatized. This is because we haven't really flushed out all the 400 years of all this conditioning. So this is what I study, you know, on the doctoral level, I don't study just you you being hurt outside. I study how slavery and 
other traumas have affected us. I study how the how the pandemic shows up in our homes. So my answer would have never been the same as yours because yeah. you know somebody don't don't want to have the conversation and here's why because that's how my mom raised me and how dare you tell me my mom was wrong? I can tell you in her face. Yeah, taking me to her graveyard, I tell you, mom, you were wrong. So yeah. let me ask you. So to to Serge's point, um, is it okay for your child to act out and be okay with it though? It's okay for you to help your child regulate their emotions. So, so child, it's, what does it take to, unless, to do that? Uh, so unless a child has a physical or biological issue where they cannot emotionally regulate, then that's when mm -hmm. we look at psychiatric help, right? But as a parent, my job is to partner with my children and say, as a child, you don't know how to act. Let me validate these feelings, but let me partner with you to show you how you should act in this situation until you could do it on your own. Simple as that. Anything else? Let's go see yeah. a doctor. Why yeah. can't you do that on your own? Next question. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, in, in parents' defense, for instance, my generation, it is it's extremely hard when you've been brought up a certain way and taught a certain way, and that's the only thing you know. And then when you finally have a child, it is extremely hard to break. So there's a lot of days when I say, but child's when I, but I mean, but 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 as I said, if you're yeah. triggered, see, and see, here's the thing, but I'm also but but also deal with anger management. Most parents beat their children because they can't moderate their own emotions. Hey, parents, listen, if you get mad and beat your child, it's because you can't moderate your own emotions. Now you taught that child the only way that you deal with them in a disciplinary way is by beating mom. That's your fault. Dad, that's your fault. Uncle, that's your yeah. fault. Yeah. Now, I tell my children, I beat you and I'm going to go and make me a sandwich. Why? Because I'm not a threat. This is because I've told you what, what's going to happen in a series of things. Now, if it's so egregious, I get it, right? But if yeah. that's your only skill of coping, then mom and dad, you feel that your only emotional regulation. Yeah. Take responsibility for that. Because who wants to think that because my child knows to get beat, then when that child has an argument on the playground, he thinks I got to beat somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, parents. And I'm a parent, so I can own that, too. So you and I are parents. Yeah. So, so I can talk to you as a parent and say, no, that's that's where we become responsible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. um, if anyone in the comment section um, would like to ask uh, Corey uh, a question, please feel free to type it in, and we will put it up on the on the screen. Um, we're almost out of time. We have like five minutes left. But uh, what are some ways that um, parents, aunts, uncles, whoever is a caretaker, what are some ways um, that we can go ahead and help children in the community to get help that are traumatized? What are some ways so that we can have less traumatized adults? Angry adults walking around, pretty much. That too, angry you know, adults walking around. It was very easy because I kind of just gave some of the answers. Um, we can't tell children what we're not allowing ourselves to do. If you want children uh, to be healed, Show them what that looks like. Why don't you go talk to a therapist? Take them with you. If you want them to act better, show them how to act better. Calm yourself down. Help them regulate their feelings. Because you're their role model. You are their first superheroes. You are their first semblance of God in their lives. So why would they not look at you and say, oh, this is what mom and dad said. And yes, if it takes a while, be consistent, be intentional. And also think about the 
think think about the future that you want for your child. What type of adult do you want your child to be? Let that start now. So and so I'm so so that means I put it all on the parents again. You gotta model this. It's impossible. Like, well, it is harder for children to say, Oh, I'm gonna be different than my parents. As you said, sir, just like this is what we know. Mm-hmm. There was some unlearning I had to do for a while. I was like, oh, this didn't serve me well. Why am I doing this to my son? And it comes with this unease, like, wow, was I wrong? Not necessarily. You were just mm-hmm. doing what you thought was right because no one told you it was wrong. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. I do want to ask you another question, though, And I said I was going to ask you this when I got you back on here. It's the would you rather. Okay. Uh, would you rather for everyone to be able to read your thoughts or your internet history? Wait a minute, say it again? Would you rather for everyone you know to be able to read your thoughts or for everyone you know to have access to your internet history? You know, my internet history is actually okay because anytime <laughs> I want to go to do something else, I just know the key words. But internet history, eh, oh, wait a minute. No, wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it visually, like, yes. Um, my thoughts are always scattered. You know, being someone that has been traumatized, I have to kind of quiet my brain at times. So, okay. Um, if you want to read that Helter Skelter, go right ahead. If you want, like, if you want to read my mind, I I literally would make that challenge. Go ahead, and read my mind and see if and see what and see and see what it looks like in the fun house. <laughs> in the fun house. <laughs> so you prefer for them to read your thoughts versus your it'll be, internet history? It'll be everything from spaghetti to why is that cat acting a fool to ooh that looked nice. At the same time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. so, 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 Corey, where can people reach out to you? Let's just yeah. say if, if for like sessions with you and, and stuff of that nature. Very easy. All my handles on all my handles on social media is Corey George Care, C O R Y, no E. Um, and you can go to CoreyGeorge.com and find out more about my background, more about what I do, what I plan to do. You can watch my documentary, which is Whispers in the Night. Um, and that is about three men who have survived childhood rape and have turned into okay. wonderful men. So that's 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 one of my that's one of my hearts. That's the project mm-hmm. I do. Um, otherwise, just see where I end up next, man. You know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, I do thank you very much for coming on and sure. sharing sharing with us um, how to get through these traumatizing times, and especially in the black community, where oftentimes. Um, the access is not there. Also, the knowledge is uh, not there. Yeah. So I really thank you very much for uh, coming on, and we do appreciate it. All right? For sure. For sure. Yes. You're welcome. All right. We, yeah, we definitely have to have you on again. Yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> and I want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in. Remember, you can catch us on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh iHeartRadio, Instagram, and also thanks for all the followers and the shares. Uh, We really appreciate it uh, very much. So thank you all and have a good night. Peace out.